Good morning. The scripture this morning is found in 1 Corinthians. I'm actually reading from the New Living, so it's going to look a little different than what you see in your Bible or up there. Hi. But obviously it's God's word, so it's still the same. So we're looking at verses 9 through 20. It says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a price, so you must honor God with your body. Bless his word this morning. You, uh, you may not be aware, uh, but usually uh, this time of the year is uh, White Ribbon Against Pornography Week, and it actually starts today. And so we're going to talk about... Uh, the thing that angels dare uh, trod on, and that's the subject of sex. Now, I don't know why we in the church just feel like that is not, like, apparently, if you're an evangelical, you don't talk about gluttony or sex. Um, I'm waiting on the blue ribbon against gluttony week. I don't know if that's ever going to come out. Uh, but there are a lot of things in the scripture that we just kind of, hmm, yeah, we know we're not supposed to do that and move on. Um, the problem is, the reason why I preach this sermon in every appointment, the church has lo 
and I hate to say this, we've lost ground on this subject. We became afraid to talk about God's standard. And when you do that, the world says, well, that's okay, I got you covered. And that's what's happened. You remember that little conversation about not telling a generation? That's why we're where we are now when we talk about sexual immorality. Uh, and let me just say this. In our, in our world, you may not know this, uh, but while y'all were singing, uh, I looked up on my phone, how much money does pornography make a year? It is a $90 billion industry. I didn't say million. I said billion. 90-some-odd billion-dollar industry. And you know what's so heartbreaking about that? Christians are addicted to that. This is not just a sermon this morning just on, you know, you may say, well, that's, that's not something I deal with. Get on your knees and thank God it's not. Because many people, many pastors are addicted to pornography. Many church leaders are addicted to it. Well, where does that start? The, the problem is it starts, as all sin, in the heart. That's why the sermon is titled, A Lesson on Purity. When our hearts are not where they should be, then physically we go where we shouldn't go. That's true of all of us. In our culture today, more than any culture, I would say, ever, we are bombarded by images of sexuality, whether you're a woman or a man. And here's the thing, y'all, you can, you can think I'm lying. More and more statistics prove women are becoming addicted to pornography just as much as men are. But we are bombarded, no matter your age, we are bombarded by images that are shown on your TV, on your phone, billboards of living a lifestyle that is contrary to the Word of God. Uh, you used to have to go look for porn on the internet. Now it comes looking for you. Uh, you. We have to now put things on our phones and our TVs that can keep our children from looking or even basically coming onto places that they shouldn't even know about. Uh, and unfortunately, these internet websites promote sexual intimacy in a way that was never intended by God. And yet millions of people, including Christians, have fallen into its trap. And so what we need to do, and maybe you say, well, you know, uh, I'm to the point in my life, that's, this is not a big deal, but do you have children? Do you have grandchildren? I guarantee you a 10-year-old now knows more about sex than, uh, than you want them to know. That's the world we live in. So unfortunately... Instead of the church losing ground, we need to be proactive and say, look, this is not a dirty word, this is not bad, but you need to know what God's standard is. We would be remiss this morning to think that the sexual revolution of the 1960s didn't just bust the door wide open to what we now deal with uh, as an epidemic. Did you know that thousands of teenagers in this country will get uh, will contract a sexual transmitted disease. Uh, that is not you don't hear about that as much anymore. We've you know, by the grace of God and doctors, we have almost taken care of the AIDS epidemic. I would say we have taken care of it, but there are still many diseases 
that are contracted that can actually make you sterile, that, uh, that can harm teenagers or adults. So it's important this morning, it is vital for our emotional and our spiritual well-being to never forget that the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is a gift from God. You know, when I got married, there, were, there was a table that had all kind of gifts, and then I realized, I can't, I don't know how to use any of these. These are, my wife cooks. I, I mean, I can clean them, but I don't know how to do it. If it wasn't for my wife, we would all starve to death, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. But you know, when you think about this subject, it's, it's important to understand God gives you a wedding gift, and that is sex, and we don't need to be ashamed of it. Okay, the issue is, as I keep saying, unfortunately, the church over the last few decades just kind of said, well, this is we just won't talk about it. And we lost ground. It is a pure and holy act. Dare I say it is sacred. One Christian leader, Jim Garlow, was even quoted as saying this. Now, I'm quoting him. Sex was God's idea. And with the exception of the idea of salvation, it is the best idea he ever had. The message of the church today should not be that sex is bad, that it's a dirty word, that we don't discuss these things, but that it is a gift from God and, and, and He has given us boundaries to use that, which makes it a better and healthier gift. It is not something to be abused. The Bible teaches us that sex was God's idea. It was not Hugh Hefner. It was not... Uh, created by uh, a group in the San Fernando Valley of California. It was God's idea which makes it holy and pure. Genesis 2, 24 and 25. For this reason, now this was only when Adam and Eve were on the earth. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Notice they felt no shame. Why? Because they had, up to that point, everything that God asked of them was holy and sacred. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them so that they could enjoy their relationship as husband and wife and to be able to produce children. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. Everything was holy. Everything was pure. What happened? When did this three-letter word become so taboo? and dirty, and secretive. We get in, why should we as Christians get embarrassed about something that God created? Because Satan is crafty. And what has happened over the last thousands of years, or I would say for us, over the last 60 years, God, uh, Satan loves to take what God deems as pure and holy and twist it. And I'm going to use a word that you've heard, pervert, what does that word mean? It actually means to interpret incorrectly, misconstrue, or distort. And I hate to say it, but, but Satan deserves a blue ribbon trophy, gold star in, in terms of this subject. He has taken what God has made pure and right and holy and twisted it into something that now most Christians blush about. And this is what Satan has tried to do with all of God's Word, but especially God's idea of what sexual intimacy should be. 
I'll never forget asking my dad about this issue, and all, all he could say, well, how about those cowboys? That was my talk, because he was so afraid. My science teacher in the seventh grade said, if your parents never have sex, there's a really good probability you won't either. You see, when we choose, though, to rebel against God by taking part in immoral acts, when we decide that, it's, that what God has deemed right is just not enough for me, what we're doing is we're believing the lies of the enemy instead of the truth of God's Word. What happens over time if you start believing that pornography is the right way to go or adultery or all the other sins that, that Sandy uh, wrote, not wrote about, but read, what happens? Well, we're told what happens to anyone who does that. Romans 1, 24 and 25. God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. So don't, don't hear what, what's not being said. The, 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 what I'm talking about more than anything is your heart. Because not one person in this world has ever physically committed adultery until they did it in their heart. Not one person has ever lied or stolen or done anything, anything physically until they did it first in their heart. This is a heart issue. This is us slowly turning our hearts away from God. And I don't care how close you are to God this morning, all of us, there's not a soul in here who's not capable of the most horrible sin. But for the grace of God, it has nothing to do with the knowledge of Scripture that you have. It's all about if you're not staying close to the vine, if you're not abiding in Him, you, you are, as one song would say, you are um, um, flirting with disaster. That's what's happening when you do that. So Paul makes it clear in these verses that if we allow sinful desires to control us, we will eventually believe what is false and disregard God's truth altogether. To live pure and holy lives, we must have the fruit of self-control. And Galatians reminds us that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're not to allow our hormones to control everything we say and do. I know, believe me, I, I'm, I'm beyond that age. We all went through that age where we, our bodies were doing weird stuff and we honestly could not help it, right? That's over, okay? That's over. You cannot blame your body for what you do. Uh, we are led by the Spirit. That is what God tells us as Christians, not our emotions, not the feelings of the moment. Uh, I'll share another quote with you. It says, To the extent that we live in sexual purity, we reflect for the whole world that God is at work within us, shaping our desires, our choices, and actions with more than just hormones. Now, why does Paul talk so much about this? In fact, in chapter 7, that's all he talks about. Well, You've got to do your homework on the Corinthians. If, if Paul's the divisional commander 
you don't want to be sent to Corinth because they're doing all kind of crazy stuff. They, they have come from the Greek-Roman world where when it comes to sexual desire, you do whatever you choose and everybody's okay with it. And now what he's saying is you were once like that uh, and maybe, maybe you grew up in a culture, in a family where, hey, you know, sex outside of marriage, no big deal. Pornography, no big deal. You know, uh, adultery, everybody does it. But what God is saying is, well, now you're in my family. Okay, and in my family, we do things a little different. Next time you read the Ten Commandments, don't read them as rules and regulations. Read read them as welcome to the family. This is how we do things in my family. That's what God is saying to the Jews. Why are we told to use self-control when it comes to our bodies? Look at, look at, uh, I'll read it to you, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I don't have to tell you this. You have an appetite for food. God's given you that. You have a sexual appetite. God's given you that too. Okay? But what he's saying is, I've also given you the supernatural power to use self-control. Uh, when I go to a golden corral, self-control is just not on my list of to-do. And I have to remind myself, that feeling that you get when you go, you know, you have to undo a few buttons and you kind of lay back and you say, oh, I'm full. No, you're not full. You were full 30 minutes ago. Your body is saying, we can't handle no more. Right? Time out. Right? Now, People love to talk about this scripture about, you know, your, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, so be careful what you eat. Paul is talking about one thing here. He's talking about sexual desire, and he's saying, you would never take what is God's and, and allow it to be filthy, right? Honor God with your body, because guess what? He's, Paul is saying, it's not your body. He bought it with a price. Jesus said, I have come to as a ransom. You know what a ransom is? It's when you pay to free someone. He's saying, and again, why does God care that we live pure lives? I'll tell you why. His son died for you. If my child died for you, I'm going to expect a few things from you. Right? We often forget that part of it. God, why do you care? I mean, you've given me these, this body and, and, and all these wonderful things I can do with it. But then he says, yes, but my son paid for that. And I, and, and I need to get my money's worth, right? Why do we think that God just expects to allow us to just do whatever? Our body does not belong to us. As believers, if you're going to claim I'm a Christian and I, I want to live a certain way, then what we also have to understand is my body, everything in it, my heart, soul, mind, everything is His. The Christian should value his or her body as a temple. You know, I understand when people say, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. I get that. I know what they mean. He don't live here. Somebody built these bricks and put all this drywall together. He lives in here. 
The Bible tells us that. Now, is it a wonderful thing to worship together and God's Spirit is with us? Absolutely. But, but also understand that where God dwells is your body. Your, the Holy Spirit lives in your body. He tabernacles. The dwelling place of God is now in us. In fact, Paul even said, God's Spirit does not live in wood and stone anymore. It lives in us. In fact, Paul, he's almost reiterating, saying in verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of God and unite them with a prostitute? Never. He says never. In my Bible, it's an exclamation. In verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Notice he doesn't say fight the temptation. You will lose. Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife. You know why? Because he had enough of God's Spirit in him to know, I'm a man, I'm a human being, this is natural. Uh, if, if I stay here, things are going to happen. And, and, and no, uh, nobody you know, has a child and says, well, it just happened, right? Nobody's ever almost pregnant. Uh, we all know how these things take place. And so God says, this is almost really the one sin in the Bible. The one thing where he says, run, run from it. That's the only way. All other sins a man commits or women, humans, are outside of their body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Again, God is saying, I have ownership of this body. When, when we talk about consecration, we have consecrated our whole life to him. You know, we can't say, well, Lord, you know, I'm not going to let dirty things come out of my mouth, but I'll still go and do horrible things in my body. We know we, we would scratch our heads and say, hey, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying to use it in a disgraceful way disgraces God's dwelling place. Here's the bottom line in all this. God's greatest desire for you and me is to be like His Son, Jesus, and He is the most purest thing that you and I will ever see. To live in purity means that we throw off the things that would make it difficult for us to live as God's chosen people. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. All these sins that I'm talking about, especially sexual sin, it's like a weight on people. And you know, when you, when you put weights on you and you try to run, that's, it makes it difficult, right? You're, you're, you're already fighting against yourself. And what Paul is saying here, you know, we're all in a race to win, to, to win the prize that God has set out for us. Take off all these things. Free yourself from all this bondage. People have actually done studies that show a, a brain of someone who is truly addicted to pornography and a brain of someone who is addicted to cocaine or crack cocaine. There's no difference. Their brain chemistry has changed. Uh, because the, what pornography does for that person is the same thing as what that drug does. It... it, it there's so much dopamine in their brain, it has actually changed their, the way their brain looks. So maybe next time when you tell your kids not to do drugs, you may want to throw pornography in there. It actually changes the brain chemistry. 
people have had to go to counseling. And they've actually even said, the images that you see will never leave you. God forgives, God restores, but friends, there are earthly ramifications of doing things in this world that may stick with us for a long time. So please, if you've been down this road, God restores, God has mercy, but use that to teach your children better. So throw off those things. Some of those things may not be things we can see or touch, but it's our thoughts that lead us to sin. It's, when it, it's what's in our hearts. Jesus addressed this on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I, you know, my favorite uh, pastor of all times, Billy Graham, you know, North Carolina boy, right? Right out of Charlotte. People came to him one time and said, please help us to understand. What is the difference between seeing someone, and we have all, men and women, I'm being as honest as I can be. We've all looked at somebody or seen somebody and thought, hmm, they're pretty or they're handsome or whatever you say now. I'm not even going to go there. But where do we go from, that's, she's pretty, to something totally out of line? Well, he, he gave this great understanding. What Jesus is talking about is not a passing glance. It's not the head turn. It's when the head turns twice. Because when your head turns, you say, hey, she's pretty, let's keep, let's keep moving. Or he's cute, let's keep moving. This is not a passing glance, but a willful stare that arouses desire. You get what I'm saying? According to Jesus, this is a form of adultery, even if it's only in his heart. What does that mean? It means no one else would know, but God knows. And that person knows. So next time you see someone that's cute, and you say, they're cute, then okay, then just keep moving on, right? It's the second glance that's going to get you in trouble. Because when a glance becomes a stare, you're, you're heading down this road in your heart that you shouldn't. And you know what's easy for us as Christians? It's easy to entertain sin in our heart. Because nobody sees. We're really good, and I hate to say this, y'all, but Christians are really good putting on a show we know how to do it better than anybody we know the right lingo we know how to act we know what to say and that's why God many times Jesus many times his biggest gripe was with the religious leaders not with the sinners so we got to make sure that that we are honest with ourselves it is important for us to know that the battle for purity begins and ends in the heart and mind because whatever, wherever you are there, that's where your body goes. Temptation starts in the heart and mind. It begins with a thought. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. To stay pure, not only are we to avoid sexual sin in the physical realm, but all sin in the mental and spiritual realm. You ever heard the saying, um, don't, look at the, don't stare into the abyss? because the abyss will stare back at you. There are certain doors we shouldn't open spiritually. Uh, 
you may not realize it, but when the Bible talks about asteropoles and going off to temple worship that is against God, they were prostitutes. These men were going to church to have sex. They weren't going to miss a service. You get what I'm saying? That was their worship. God is saying, okay, you don't live like that anymore. And what does Paul tell us in Philippians? Finally, what all church members love to hear from their pastor. Finally, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because the greatest, most powerful organ on your body, in your body, is up here. And everything comes from it. The mind. So yes, as you think, so are you. That's Yoda didn't say that. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit said that. As a man thinketh, so is he. What is your thoughts on? If you're always thinking about food, you probably have a problem. If you're always thinking about sex, you have a problem. If you're always thinking about one thing outside of of, of whatever Paul says here, whatever's right, pure, love. In other words, think of those things that are godly in a godly way, right? You see, Paul understood the influence of your thoughts. He was a thinking person. He was smart. He understood what a person allows to occupy in his mind sooner or later determines their speech and their action. For many of us, the true battle is up here. For most of us, and I say most of us, the temptation is not going to be to go leave your spouse to go do something horrible with someone, the temptation will simply be to allow those thoughts to take root in our hearts. And we can sit in our living room and be a thousand miles from everybody. You see, that's where Satan gets us. He's not going to say, go, go out and kill somebody. But you may hate somebody. You may let, let that hurt take root and, and, and bitterness start in your hearts to the point where in your world, you ever heard somebody say this? I'll just use the name Joe. I don't think anybody here's named Joe. What do you think about old Joe? He's dead to me. You ever heard that? He's dead to me. What did Jesus say? Murder starts in the heart, right? Be careful what we say. The temptation will be to allow thoughts to creep in and, and to fester and to begin to take root. So to to stay pure physically, we must stay pure spiritually. We must think of those things that Paul described. Now, you may think this is impossible. And if you're trying to do it just by yourself, it is. Everywhere we turn, we are bombarded by advertisements. Uh, and by the way, going back to how much money the porn industry makes, they make most of that with advertisements. Advertising is a multi-billion dollar in industry. You know why? Because it works. You have sat down at your couch and, and not being hungry at all and watched some commercial that shows this fabulous, juicy cheeseburger. And the saliva begins to grow in your mouth and you start to lick your lips and go, hmm, when's the last time I had a cheeseburger like that? And you start looking at your calendar of, who you're going to have to cancel lunch with tomorrow just to get that cheeseburger. You see, these people have researched this stuff. 
when people, when you find out that you have so many likes on Instagram or Facebook, do you know that the people who created social media, now this is true, they will not allow their children to look at it. They know it works. They interviewed somebody that helped create Facebook, and he said, in our family, our children are not allowed to use it because it creates dopamine in their mind. It becomes a drug. You see, friends, it's easy to fall in the trap because everywhere we turn, it used to be hard uh, and difficult to get these types of things, but now it's all over the place. You are seconds, I am seconds, from disturbing images on your phone. You used to have to go into shops in Times Square and, and find pornography, and as I said, now it comes looking for you. So how can we stay pure? Well, David says it very quickly. I know my time is gone. Psalm 119, David asks the same question. He even says in the New Living Translation, how can a young person stay pure? Or old person. You should hear the things that go on in Booth Gardens. How can a young person or elderly person stay pure? Friends, this, this is for all of us, right? And then he answers, by obeying your word and following its rules. To live in purity is to live under the control of the Spirit. And then Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, God wants you to be holy, so you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not lustful passions as the pagans do, in their ignorance of God and His ways. Never cheat a Christian brother in, the, in this matter by taking his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to be holy, not to live impure lives. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human rules, but is rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. So God, apparently, when it comes to avenging, He avenges sexual sin. Keep that in mind next time you think of taking somebody's spouse and know God has never told anyone, go take their spouse. I've heard that said before. That is not of God. God will never tell you to cheat on your spouse, okay? He will also not tell you to kill them. You may want to, but he won't tell you that either. Notice that in those verses I just read, twice Paul states we are, to call, live, are called to live holy lives. You see, friends, this subject that I bring to you today was never intended to be dirty, nasty. Uh, he, he created... Uh, Sex as a gift to be wonderful, sacred thing between a husband and a wife. But it's our responsibility. And He gives us the power, it tells us. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, of, or fruit of the Holy Spirit, rather, of self-control so that we can live lives that maybe other people outside our world didn't. Maybe we grew up in a place where, you know, uh, promiscuity was just normal. And what does Paul say? These pagans were ignorant. They didn't know. You know, thankfully, in God's mercy, He's not going to judge you on what you don't know. But now we know. Sorry, now you know. Right? I, I, I sometimes love to think, you know, we're judged on the light we're given, and I guess sometimes the human temptation is, well, Lord, I don't want no more light. But the truth is, we crave light because we know it helps us. It's our responsibility with the power of the Holy Spirit to live holy lives. And then Paul ends in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, which, by the way, 
is word for word one of our doctrines. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you as faithful, and he will do it. Amen. You see, God's not asking you to do this on your own. He knows you can't. He knows I can't. But he says, I'm calling you and I will be faithful to help you do it. He will do it. Friends, this, this is something that maybe uh, you can say, well, I don't struggle with that, but I guarantee you somebody close to you does. Uh, as human beings, and we're all human, uh, I hope that you can take this message and understand that we all are called to live pure and holy lives. We're going to sing together just very quickly. Um, a song in our songbook that um, is to the tune of uh, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, but it's called Through and Through. Um, and I'm sorry I had it down and then I lost it. It's 714, song number 714. And um, it basically just talks about living a pure life. Jesus, save me through and through. Save me from self-mending. Self-salvation will not do. Pass me through the cleansing. And the, the chorus is through and through, through and through. Jesus, make me holy. Save me to the uttermost all the way to glory. I want to sing just together on the, uh, the first and then the fourth verse. Uh, song number 714. And as we sing, you come and pray. Uh, this is not where if you come to the altar... Nobody needs to think, oh, they're, they're struggling with sin, uh, sexual sin. Friends, all of us are called to live pure lives. And, and you notice when we read the scriptures this morning, um, it, wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just sex. It was thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, swindlers. You see, friends, we can get caught up in a lot of things. Maybe this subject this morning is just so left field for you this doesn't matter but there's something that all of us could say you know I do struggle with this or I, I struggle with that and the only way that we can improve is to know that God can help us with this uh, or anything else so let's sing together during this time of commitment Jesus